This week's message, given by Pastor Stephen Young at the Sarkisani United Methodist Church, December 5th, 2021. The message is, when Christmas isn't Christmas, based on Isaiah 60, 3-6, and Matthew 2, 1-12. Would you join me as I pray? Loving gracious God, we come to you this morning asking for your guidance and wisdom. We invite the Holy Spirit to come and open our hearts and minds and awaken our hearts to the wonder of Christmas, true meaning of Christmas in Christ. Come Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if Grinch comes to your house tonight, what do you think he would take away? Think about it. Many of you would remember the classic animated TV movie and the, uh, the, live, a- the live action uh, adaptation with Jim, Jim Carrey. How many of you watched that before? Yeah, most of you. <laughs> What you just watched is part of 2018 animation Grinch, which is the most recent adaptation of the story, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. This most recent adaptation appeals to a contemporary audience by telling the story anew. In the movie clip we just watched, the Grinch dresses up like a Santa, right? And he carries... uh, a special Christmas candy cane which has some amazing tricks. It helps him to swipe all the Christmas gifts and tie up their Christmas tree. What's interesting here is though that he uses things that represent Christmas to steal away Christmas. The very thing that he hates, he uses them to steal This subversive parody is the beauty of this particular Christmas story. In a subversive and ironic way, what the Grinch did tell us is that those traditional symbols, cultural marks of Christmas, such as Santa's suit, may not be the heart of the Christmas. Friends, what are some of the essential items, symbols, activities? that make you feel like Christmas. Think about those. Without them, Christmas wouldn't feel like Christmas for you. I invite you to think of for a moment and write them down in your sermon notes, which is inside of your bulletin, you see. Think about what are those activities, traditions, it could be family tradition, that makes you feel like Christmas. With Christmas, I brought some stuff here. Um, as you're writing, writing them down, would Christmas still be Christmas without Christmas tree? What do you think? Would Christmas be still Christmas without these?
Would Christmas still be Christmas with these candles? You know, that comes with Christmas smell. Would Christmas still be Christmas without some gifts, the Christmas gifts? Or would, still, would Christmas still be Christmas without the cards, Christmas cards? What do you think? By the way, I brought some of the stuff from home this morning without telling my children. So <laughs> I guess today's message will be more personally relevant to them. Um, I'm hoping that they don't see me as the Grinch, though. <laughs> Last Sunday, remember, we began this sermon series, The Heart That Grew Three Sizes, Finding Faith in the Story of the Grinch. Now we, and we were challenged to face the Grinch inside of us. Especially when everything seems to be going wrong. You know, when we feel like everything seems to be going wrong, we see the Grinch inside of us. This morning, I would like us to take a little different approach, approach to the Grinch. Let me put this down. I want us to take a little different approach to the Grinch, the story of the Grinch. Of course, what the Grinch did in this story was mean and nasty. But it enables people in the village and the Grinch himself to realize that Christmas can still be celebrated with those traditional cultural marks of Christmas that are not visually present anymore. Think about our reality. The story of Grinch makes us discern what would be truly essential to the season of Advent and Christmas, and what is not essential. In the Gospel lesson, we read the story of the Magi who travels all the way up to Jerusalem. They were coming from east to worship the newborn king of the Jews. We know this story from our Sunday school. Let's pause more for a moment here. Think about what they did here. As, they, as the story tells, they're not the Jews, they're the Gentiles, right? They don't have to worship Yahweh, the God of the Jews. They don't really have to go to pay homage. As a foreigner, they don't have to get into the business of other people, especially other religions. They don't even know that they are the only ones who saw the star. There are probably a hundred reasons why they didn't have to go to see Jesus. But somehow, they were led to, uh, to come and welcome Jesus. And they brought three gifts with them. You know, there's a story, Sunday school teacher asked class, do you guys remember the three gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus? A little boy raises his hand and says, I know what they are, they're gold and myrrh and Frankenstein. <laughs> and everyone laughs at his answer and um, another child wants to correct uh, him and says, you know, I'll tell you the right answer. The three gifts are gold, Frankenstein, and humor. Not just myrrh, right? By the way, it was my humor. 
it's confusing, but the three gifts are gold, frankincense, what was the last? Myrrh, right? In the Old Testament lesson, Isaiah 60, it reads, Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from far away. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. In a sense, Matthew presents the story of, 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 of uh, the wise man as a fulfillment of the prophetic message proclaimed by the ancient prophet Isaiah. Several hundred years before the birth of Jesus, gold and frankincense were mentioned here in the book of Isaiah, though myrrh wasn't included in the list. But in Sunday school, we learn each of the three gifts represent something significant about Jesus. In ancient society, gold is what you give a king. It symbolizes kingship and power. The gift of gold given by the wise men represent how people from all over the world will see Jesus, will acknowledge the baby Jesus as the true king. Frankincense had been used in the temple to symbolize the prayers of the people going up to the Lord. The burning incense was a way of seeing the longing of the people going up to God as described by the heavenly worship in the book of Revelation. In ancient Israel, it was the role of a priest to light the incense and lift up prayers on behalf of the people. That was the role of a priest. So the gift of frankincense represents the role and identity of Jesus as a priest. Finally, the myrrh was used to prepare dead bodies for burial. Think about this gift. This might have been, might have been seen as a very strange gift for the baby, right? But in a sense, the gift represents the crucifixion of Jesus later on. The book will witness that Jesus is the final, ultimate sacrifice once for all, as written in the book of Hebrews. There were the gifts pointing to Jesus. They were indicating, they're the gifts that indicate who Jesus is. They're the gifts symbolizing what he came for. What if the wise men didn't bring these gifts? You know, that happens sometimes. You forgot to bring a birthday gift on your way to someone's birthday, right? What if the wise men forgot to bring them or lost them on their way to Bethlehem? Would it have changed who Jesus was? Would it have changed what Jesus did for us? No. It wouldn't change the true meaning of Jesus, the true meaning of Christmas. As we read the story, as we read the story last week, we know what happened after this uh, wise man came to King Herod, the worst ancient version of the Grinch we talked about last week. So many young innocent lives were taken by his atrocities, cruelty. And Jesus and his family had to flee to Egypt to survive. The author, pastor, uh, Matt Roll, 
the author of our Edmund study shares an interesting interpretation here. The flight into Egypt isn't just a story about justice for those seeking refuge or asylum. Of course, it has a significant implication for that. He writes, what the story of Jesus' family fleeing to Egypt is about Egypt redemption. Just like the story of wise men is about the forgiveness of Babylon, which represent East in the scripture. Based on the collective memory formed by the book of Exodus, you know, Egypt had been a symbol of slavery and bondage to the people of Jews. But in Matthew's gospel, what happens? Egypt is transformed into an image of safe haven, peace. You know, in this story, we see another irony and subversion as we saw from the story of the Grinch. Now, what does it say about Jesus, friends? It tells us that the Christ child is the one who forgives Babylon and redeems Egypt. What it means is that these two stories show how Jesus, the Prince of Peace, bring people together, even the enemies and how he reaches out to the old enemy. Therefore, these gospel stories are the story of forgiveness, story of peacemaking, and more importantly, a story of grace. A story of how those who didn't deserve God's love and mercy were graced with God's greatest gift that was given in Christ Jesus. And this is the heart of Christmas, friends. This is what's essential to Christmas. This is what makes Christmas true Christmas. Friends, how can we share the gift of gospel with others? How can each of you make Christmas true to what Christmas is all about? How can we share the Prince of Peace with others in need? You see this uh, giving tree here, right? We didn't put many ornaments, just maybe uh, the upper part. You see the cards, the tags. There are the ornaments. And you are encouraged to take it and bring the peace of Christ to those in need. They're the gifts for the 12 Roxbury families in need. And we need, um, I think, seven more people. So I, invite, I strongly encourage you to consider giving. This will be a great ornament you take away and bring it back to the community to share the peace of Christ with others in need. We know our world is in desperate need of peace. It keeps needing it more than ever before in such a time as this. Take a closer look at the news headlines, local, national, and global. I don't even have to name those. Like a squirrel running a wheel, our world constantly circles back to resentment, hatred, 
revenge, war. No matter how hard we try, it seems impossible to stay perfectly calm and peaceful from all our life circumstances that shake us on a daily basis. The other day, I was looking at my, um, I was looking for my um, sermon, the previous sermons. Uh, I, there's a folder that says uh, SUMC sermons, all the sermons that I preached over the last five years. I opened the file, there's only one folder left. All the other files were gone, you know. And the folder, the name of the folder was interesting. I don't know if it's a revelation from God or something. The, folder, the name of the folder was Resolving the Heart of Conflict. That's the only folder that was left, and the others were gone. You know, my heart was at war looking at that. You know, all those sermons that I preached, all those messages that I share with you it's, were gone. My heart was at war looking at it, facing that reality. No matter how well we manage ourselves, Friends, there are moments when our fear, our frustration, our anger bubbles up and ends up managing us instead of we manage the circumstance. It doesn't take long to realize how far we ourselves get to go in order to fully live out shalom, the biblical peace that Jesus promised to us. You know, major world religions like Buddhism talk a lot about peace. And they teach that peace comes from your own self, from within. And if you don't have enough peace, loving kindness within yourself, your action will not truly be for peace. There are truths to it. As Christians, we share the idea that we cannot be the instruments of peace until our hearts are at peace. But as Christians, we affirm that peace ultimately comes from our Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace within us. Just as he shared with, with people the peace that he promised to give, he would give you his peace, a part of himself. I don't know if you wrote down uh, you know, the items and traditions that make feel like Christmas. If you did, I invite you to look at the list of the items that you wrote down, the symbols and activities you consider the most important for this special season. What do they tell us about who Jesus is? What Jesus was here and, and why Jesus was here on earth? Can you make any connection between them and Jesus? The Jew Christmas candle reminds you of the star of Bethlehem. You think of Jesus, the Good Shepherd, when you see and eat the Christmas candy canes with red and white stripes. The red signifying Christ's sacrifice and the white, the purity of Jesus. You know, the Edmund wreath in our sanctuary is beautiful. And also outside, you know, on the the front door, your circular, never-ending symbol of eternal love and peace and hope and joy. But imagine someone came in 
you know, on Saturday night, took everything away. Our worship team actually did an excellent job decorating the whole sanctuary. But let's imagine that all those beautiful decorations here in the sanctuary were taken away one night. What would happen? Would it stop us from celebrating Christmas? Would it stop us from welcoming the Christ baby into our lives, into our hearts? Friends, I hope you enjoy this season of Advent Christmas as much as you can, because we missed out on a lot of activities last year. But if you feel Christmas isn't Christmas for any reason this year, think of the story of the Grinch. What is it that was stolen away that actually makes you think of what Christmas is all about and what is truly essential to the season of Advent and Christmas? I invite you to invite Christ's peace fully into your heart, into your life today. I'm sure, I'm sure many of us keeping searching for peace in our lives, searching for peace in the midst of pressures, work pressures, family pressures, peace, searching for peace in the midst of conflict, anger, grief, loss, searching for peace in the midst of health problems, economic hardship, and searching for opportunities to become the gift of peace to others in need. Friends, each of our uh, Advent week reissues the same invitation. Come. Come. We have a four weeks of repeated invitation to break through our busy schedules, jobs, relationships, life matters that often lead us to lose sight of peace that Christ promised to us. This morning, Christ wants us to experience His peace. Friends, invite Him to fill your heart with His peace during the season of Advent and Christmas. And here's the prayer we should constantly lift up as we did sing this morning. Come now, Prince of Peace. Come. Amen.